Hello and welcome to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lowell. It will be very difficult to forget the year that is about to end. Indeed, during 2020, change was the norm and normality elusive. Many have reflected on what has been lost. Maybe the focus should be on what may never return. To discuss this and more, I'm joined by my guest, Patrick Henningsen in Plymouth. He is the editor and founder of 21st Century Wire. And in Sancher, we have John Lachlan. He is a university lecturer in history and political philosophy. All right, gentlemen, crosstalk rules in effect. That means you can jump in anytime you want, and I always appreciate it. Okay, let's go to John first. You know, it, people will obviously think of 2020 as the year of COVID. Um, but I tend to think of it already, and we're not at the end of the year, is the year of overreach in the end of the, uh, of the social contract. Am I wrong about that? No, I think that's exactly right. Uh, in, uh, in the various lockdowns that have uh, afflicted the whole world and which, uh, let's not forget, were inspired by communist China, because the first lockdown was obviously in Wuhan itself, uh, all sorts of basic rights have been uh, summarily abrogated, including by government decree. In other words, not by um, a duly voted law in the respective national legislatures. This was the case in France, for example, where the original lockdown in March uh, was uh, not validated by the parliament until five days after it entered into force. So all these uh, rights, the freedom of uh, assembly, the freedom of uh, religion, uh, the freedom of movement, uh, and uh, uh, informally, the freedom of expression. Uh, the first three were abolished formally, the others, uh, in the other, the freedom of expression informally. All these vanished uh, by government decree in spite of decades, literally 50, 60 years of discourse about uh, human rights, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights of 1948 the European Convention of, of 1950, and so on. And when you talk about the social contract, therefore, Peter, you've put your finger on the, on the key point, because uh, I've always been a sceptic of human rights, uh, because I see that they are politically abused, and I believe that uh, liberty and the law is guaranteed by the state, and if the state one day decides not to uh, guarantee it or respect it, then... It's a political battle and not a judicial one. Well, we've seen the truth of that, but we have also, unfortunately, seen the horrible totalitarian pretensions of uh, our governments, uh, very often acting, as we know from uh, Klaus Schwab and his great reset in collaboration with big business. And um, all of this, of course, in the context, and I come back to the thing I started with, in the context of a geopolitical shift, or rather return, unfortunately, uh, the, the Trump parenthesis is about to close, uh, uh, a geopolitical return towards the condominium between the United States, the military power of the United States, and the economic power of China, uh, which Trump, as I say, interrupted briefly for four years. But that parenthesis is unfortunately now closing. So the outlook, I think, is extremely gloomy. You know, Patrick, the, 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 what I find quite galling is that you know, and, and we, well, all of us know a bit of history here. And, you know, I mean, these were hundreds of years of, of struggle to attain rights that so many people take for granted. And then they're just voided 
and there's hardly a peep. It's extraordinary to me. It's it's so, and there are so many hundreds of millions of people around the world fighting desperately for the rights that so many in the West took for granted, and it, and it left them uh, feedingly, and there's not a whimper. I mean, I, this'll be something historians will have to look at. Go ahead, Patrick. Sure, I, I, if, if I look back at uh, September 11th uh, as a kind of a watershed uh, event that that set uh, certain things into motion, these sort of trends which you've just described. Uh, I, I'm now looking back at that 20 years later uh, as a dry run uh, mm -hmm. for what we've just witnessed uh, in the last 12 months. So, and and you know, this is by orders of magnitude much more uh, invasive in terms of loss of rights, in terms of loss of liberty, suspension of parliamentary democracy, uh, uh, meeting and assembling free assembly, free speech, freedom of worship, all of these things uh, have been kind of uh, taken um, head on by the state. And uh, the, the level of invasiveness when you're talking about biosurveillance is much deeper, it's much more personal uh, the, 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 the psychological operation of uh, convincing people to be afraid of other people, uh, convincing people that uh, they need to wear masks uh, not to protect themselves, but to protect others. Um, so, you know, it, I listened to the World Health Organization's uh, final briefing of 2020, and it was very telling, uh, the comments that they made. And uh, the, one of their leading medical directors, uh, Dr. Ryan, uh, who's Irish, uh, was kept talking about uh, behavioral psychology, behavioral psychology. We've made such great strides in behavioral psychology. And of course, in the UK, that's been the, one of the cornerstones of their whole pandemic effort uh, has been this uh, use of applied behavioral psychology. And, and, and so this, this is ruled by experts uh, on, on a level, a, a technocracy that so many people warned about in the 20th century, so many great writers uh, and and, and this is the very thing that the United States Constitution actually was designed uh, to thwart was, and, and, and in that sense, I would say, you know, Donald Trump has been a, a historic president, maybe the most constitutional president, even though himself doesn't probably understand all of the uh, nuances of the Constitution like a scholar would, but he has deferred to the Constitution rather than the Wilsonian rule by expert kind of uh, way of governing the administration. Look at the experts have given us, okay? And, and they say they rule through merit. I mean, they're the most mediocre class of people you can imagine, okay? It's just that they look after their interests and no one else is here. But, you know, J John, reflecting, reflecting about what Patrick said, we're being treated like guinea pigs here. I mean, this is what it gets down to? I mean, you know, we're all in a Pavlov's dog here. You know, you poke this way, you poke that way, and you get the response you want. I mean, it's such a... Um, uh, uh, a diminished way of looking at citizens' rights. Yeah, I strongly agree with uh, that and with what Patrick just said about the role of behavioral psychology, because although in my first remarks I mentioned, you know, formal freedoms like association and so on, I think uh, Patrick is dead right to, uh, <clears throat> to draw attention to this horrible corrosion of basic uh, social interaction, things which can't be formulated in charters of rights and can't be enforced by law, you know, the basic trust that holds society together. And indeed, uh, uh, that's now been blown apart by the COVID scare where everyone is afraid of everyone else and uh, people have become very aggressive towards each other if they're not wearing masks and things like that. So that kind of 
damage uh, really is very difficult to repair. And when you talk about guinea pigs, uh, Peter, you know, that again is dead right, because what we see, you know, people who are uh, like me are conservatives. We've known about the, uh, the left's power in, for example, educational institutions, the universities, in the media and so on. But what we've seen, I think, with COVID is the extent now, the terrifying extent of that uh, leftist hegemony, because it's extended way beyond uh, the universities. And it goes, of course, very much into the heart of political leadership, politicians who uh, typically went to those uh, went to those universities, which have been dominated by the left now for so long. But it also, and this, I think, is... Uh, what uh, the Great Reset shows, um, Great Reset being, of course, this crazy idea from Davos that the whole world needs to be restructured now. What the Great Reset shows is the extent to which leftism totally dominates uh, the business elites, the business elites, the big, the big uh, corporations. Uh, a lot of people talk about big pharma, but we also know about how uh, the GAFA, you know, Google and YouTube and so on have have and Twitter have restricted uh, free speech. I mentioned the informal restrictions on free speech a moment ago, uh, and we see from uh, from Davos, from the world business elites, how their ideas are 100% leftist. Um, you know, for good or evil. If you're a leftist watching this, you probably won't find anything any problem with that. But that, that you, as an observer, you have to. You have to uh, observe it and say and call it out for what it is. Uh, Klaus Schwab says that the danger affecting the dangers affecting of the world are are populism and polarization. He doesn't say that the danger affecting the world is Islamism or or terrorism or immigration. Uh, and that's why I think you're right to talk about guinea pigs because I think these crazies have indeed seen the chance. They've seen how quickly uh, rights can be suspended or abolished uh, and they want to go for it. They want to go for it. The, 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 the fascinating thing for me is that lack of, of self-reflection or honesty is that all the things that they're proposing is for us. It's not for them, okay? I mean, the, the, this leftist hegemony, it, it, what's it, fascinating about it is that it, uh, they never feel the negative consequences of their own ideology. They're shielded from it all of the time, okay? You know, the big scandal in the U.S. where you have the governor at the, the French Laundry, apparently that's some really nice restaurant, okay? Okay. But that is that that is a perfect example of that, you know, you must be locked down while I'm having brunch with my medical experts. <laughs> Extraordinary. Go ahead, jump in, Patrick. <laughs> no, uh, I'm going to pick up on what John said about the, uh, the the left and what you said about the Great Reset. It's, it's very true. You know, the Great Reset becomes a lens and uh, various factions and various institutions will project through that lens uh, what they want to achieve in terms of their own political agenda. And what we've seen is uh, an, an opportunism by, I would say, the radical left. I'm talking about communist, inter the international communist, and this no longer a conspiracy. If you look at how people tried to seize on this pandemic in order to call for general strikes, we saw like this in, in the this UK. Is, this is like Bolsheviks. This is exactly their playbook. 
Exactly. So, so the workers' parties are calling to shut down workers from going to work because it's not safe from COVID. And so in, unless the government can guarantee 100% safety, uh, we everyone who do, down tools don't go to work general strike. They've been dreaming of an opportunity to have that general strike for decades because it's not palatable nor practical. And here comes this opportunity. And that really said, uh, it sent out a really strong message to a lot of people saying, this is, this is how ruthless this, yeah, this political faction can be yeah. and how dangerous it can be as well and how irrational because the, it, it is the fallacy of the greater good at the end of the day. This argument that we must do it for the greater good, this collective argument uh, is fallacious at its core uh, because it, it undermines the very uh, platforms that they themselves are using as a megaphone that uh, the, the countries, the economic stability that's allowed them, built them up, uh, the World Health Organization, uh, the, the, the World Economic Forum, for instance, that's billionaire funded. That's, cap that's capitalism that built that platform. Real quick to John before we go to the break here, but th this whole agenda absolves you of any kind of personal responsibility. Someone else's responsibility, uh, responsible for my thoughts and my behavior. This is this is the entire uh, our entire civilizational experience inverted here. All right, I want you to answer that question, but we're going to go to a short break, and after that short break, we'll continue our discussion on our reflection on 2020. Stay with our team. Welcome back to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. To remind you, we're reflecting on the year that is about to end. Okay, John, let me go back to you. I mean, right before we went to the break, we were talking about um, um, de uh, denying people personal responsibility because this whole mantra of safety fir uh, first, I mean, my yeah. face value, that's all nice and fine, but that means I cannot make any decisions about my own personal behavior. And once you go there, it's not much of a leap about what your thoughts should be. Go ahead, John. Well, um, listening to Patrick just now in the first half, I was reminded of the quotation from Goethe's Faust, which uh, Bulgakov uses as the epigraph to the Master and Margarita, when Faust says, Ich bin der Geist, der stets das Böse will und stets das Gute schafft. I am the spirit that always uh, wants evil, but cr does good. In other words, there is a, there, uh, all dictatorships have uh, been, as it were, for the good of their people. And, you know, here we are again. Um, as far as the uh, issue of uh, thought control and uh, the influence of, of thinking goes, uh, again, what this crisis has shown us, uh, many crises do, of course, illuminate things that were hidden uh, otherwise, uh, is uh, how crazy uh, these people are who belong to the elites. Uh, if you look at the material of the Great Reset, uh, which um, uh, has had a lot of attention, but you know, is not is not a conspiracy because it's all out there in the public. There's absolutely nothing secret about it. But by drawing attention to itself, what it has shown is that these elites believe, of course, in ecologism because the Great Reset is that. It's a massive green, so-called green uh, agenda uh, in which uh, people are supposed to, uh, you know, obviously stop using uh, hydrocarbons and so on. But the other element of it, and this is where it really is crazy, although I think the climate stuff is crazy enough, uh, where it really is crazy is in the whole transhumanism, because uh, the World Economic Forum has bought heavily into transhumanism, by which I mean not just 
the implement the implantation of prostheses of new legs or arms or hands or whatever, but also according to them, and this is where it really is crazy, the implantation of microchips, which they say will, uh, as it were, replicate or perhaps even influence people's emotions and thoughts. I mean, this really is crazy stuff. Yet it is being taken seriously. And it is, uh, as, as Patrick said, it is billionaire funded. There are people who believe in this nonsense and who are prepared to put money on the table to, uh, to, to finance it. So, you know, uh, it, as I say, it's lifted the veil on things which uh, perhaps we otherwise would not have noticed. And uh, I, ultimately, I suppose it's a symptom, unfortunately, of the fact that our societies have been uh, put to sleep. They have been, uh, you know, reassured for too long now. The state will take care of this. The state will take care of that. And hey, guess what? When the state decides not to do that anymore, but to do something different, we've all disarmed. So we, we need to rearm in order to prevent it from happening again and to stop it from happening and continuing now. You know, Patrick, what this gets down to, I mean, something we witnessed in the 21st century is the, um, the, the ideal of creating uh, the new man. And we know how that's ended, okay? We know how that ended. And, and it's extraordinary they want another crack at it here. And, and the way they're doing it, and, and, and calling, following from what you've both said so far in this program here, is that now we have this paradigm of crisis to crisis. And this is the legitimizing pattern the paradigm that they're using that we, you know, we, um, you know, first of all, with COVID, the, the goalpost is going to be forever moved out, okay, and everything else will be packed into it because safety is first, okay, and of course, they determine what is safe, though that can change from day to day. Um, from scientist to scientist, and, and on top of it all, gentlemen, they've compromised the whole idea of science. I mean, a year ago, we wouldn't be, you, people would think we'd be crazy talking about, you know, the legitimacy of science. And they crashed oh. that as well, Patrick. No, uh, definitely the, the pseudoscience is, is definitely in the ascendancy uh, right now. Uh, you, the, the whole basis of the, uh, the global pandemic narrative, uh, you know, not to say there are not serious seasonal uh, respiratory viruses in circulation every year, I'll put that caveat in, but the whole basis is based on uh, what's really a, a dubious testing regime uh, of, of PCR testing, uh, completely unstandardized uh, in terms of its cycle thresholds and things like this. This is producing mountains of junk data, which policy is being uh, determined by. Uh, and also the, the, the whole idea of the asymptomatic spreader, um, that was never a scientific uh, uh, idea that was never proven. It was just something that was float, floated out as a fear at the time early last spring. Uh, and now a number of peer-reviewed studies have come back that have basically destroyed the, uh, the, the idea of the asymptomatic spreader. So that really undermines lockdowns. It undermines social distancing. It undermines masks. All of these mitigation policies all fall to the wayside. If you're looking at the real science, uh, which is coming out right now, but what we've seen, they haven't revised the policy. So in other words, the ship leaves the leaves the port uh things the weather changes the ship continues to to go uh they don't change course and so this is typical of a technocracy this is typical of a scientific dictatorship they they, they talk about being led by the science but in fact they're not being led by the science and i'm going to say this is very very similar to another computer modeled driven uh pseudoscience 
uh, and this is a controversial thing to say, but uh, computer models got us into this pandemic mess and climate computer models have done the same thing in terms of formulating climate change policy. Computer models, predictive models are not scientific. They cannot be replicated. They're programmed. Assumptions are put in. So now we're, the technocrats are really hanging all of these policies onto computers, onto AI, onto the, the you know, blinding you with science, as Thomas Dolby uh, said so famously in the 1980s, so prophetically. Uh, that's where we're at right now. And, you know, there is there needs to be a pushback against this, because as you can see, the science can be wrong. The technocrats can be very wrong. History is replete with examples of this. We now have the biggest example of, of, of all time right now uh, of how badly they could get it wrong and not change course. And, you know, it's, it's a kamikaze ride uh, in terms of government policy right now. They have trashed their economies for what? And so then the great reset crowd, the Klaus Schwab's of the world, they're very happy with the progress of this so far. They're, it's perfect. They've, they've legitimized their thesis, if you will, that uh, the pandemic has exposed this great, uh, fault in our system. We need a great reset to fix it. So it, it's just classic problem, reaction, solution, but it's completely uh, contrived. You know, John, the, the, you know, there's very little reflection in the media because the media is just completely on board with all of this here. I mean, it, it, that, that's one of the really huge uh, casualties. Uh, you know, we take the Russiagate hoax and then we take this and media it has it wrapped itself up in, in glory um, uh, to an unbelievable extent here. But the other victims are, are, are working people and families, which, of course, are the lowest on the totem pole when it comes to um, the, the, these elites making decisions because, um, you know, the working people, they're expendable. What, we've seen that, okay? I mean, you know, if you look at the, the, uh, the omnibus bill that was just passed by Congress, I mean, there's plenty of money for... I guess transgender studies in Pakistan, and they're six hundred bucks for an American citizen. Okay, there's plenty of money for their agenda all over the world in a five thousand dollar, a five thousand page bill that I cannot, I, I have a hard time believing anyone has read it. Okay, it is just this uh, going to the feeding trough, and they're just they're they're, they're bankrupting the country, taking taxpayer money for their global agenda of this great reset. Well, I think that's where it gets uh, really sinister, uh, because uh, if you look, for example, at the uh, salaries that are offered now in Silicon Valley, uh, a couple of years ago, the average, I think actually only one year ago, the average salary offered in Silicon Valley, so to, to, for working in San Francisco, was something like $130,000 a year. That was the average uh, proposed salary for working in uh, a Californian high tech. The average proposed salary now is more like $70,000. So we can already see that high tech uh, is saying, and perhaps not just high tech, are saying, if you don't need to live in San Francisco anymore, but you can do your work by Zoom from home in your apartment, we're not going to pay you the rates that you needed to leave in the big cities. So, hey, presto, you have a 50% pay cut. Uh, and that's where, by the way, the whole transhumanism of the Great Reset is, is again very sinister because they imagine these crazies that uh, robots will become intelligent, artificial intelligence, and, if, and people, ordinary people, will eventually uh, be replaced. And they're relatively happy with that because obviously they think the robots are going to be cheaper. So uh, there is a very uh, nasty side. The robots don't, don't pay taxes. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, nor do big companies. Yeah, nor uh, do big but uh, what Patrick's about the science is, is very, very important because uh, it reminds me of a, a line in uh, Dostoevsky's The Devils where he says that there is no greater um, uh, a curse that can afflict the world, no worse than famine, worse than dictatorship, than pseudoscience, than half science. Uh, Dostoevsky made this point in The Devils. And, you know, let's not forget, you talked about dictatorships uh, uh, just a minute ago, Peter, and the desire to create the new man. Uh, Marxism was a science. It was an economic science. Marx considered himself to be a scientist, like Darwin. Uh, he did not regard himself as a policymaker. He believed he had discovered laws of economics that would liberate man and so on. Uh, uh, racialism, Nazi racialism, was a science. People believed that, you know, by measuring earlobes and the shapes of skulls and so on, that they could purify the race and improve it and so on. So these were sciences. And uh, as uh, Patrick, I'm very glad you made the link, Patrick, between uh, climate fear and COVID fear, because yes, these things are based on fear. And you mentioned 9-11 at the beginning of the programme. That too was the conjugation of fear, crisis, and of course then uh, state, uh, massive increase in state power in order to protect us all. In the case of 9-11, it, uh, it was when the military state and of course the surveillance state really took off, as Edward Snowden told us. Uh, with the climate thing, it's again fear of the climate, which requires, again, as you said, Peter, just now, you know, there are gigantic subsidies for all these windmills. These windmills, uh, these, uh, you know, the, 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 so, the, so the electronic uh, generating windmills wouldn't exist without state subsidy. Uh, and of course, ditto now with COVID, which apart from uh, uh, destroying our liberties, uh, as we all know, is based on absolutely stupendous amounts of money creation. Money creation, which will inevitably reduce the purchasing power of, guess who? Ordinary working families. But guess what? The FTSE index is going to go above 10,000. Same with the Wall Street index. All the rest okay. of it. We've run out of time. Fascinating discussion. And I suppose uh, we'll be this time next year discussing whatever happened to democracy. It just left us, okay? I want to thank my guests in the UK and in France. And I want to thank our viewers for watching us here at RT. See you next time. And remember, crosstalk rules and Happy New Year.